Hello, James Scullin here, and welcome to another episode of Australia-China Business Council's China Path podcast. One of the biggest concerns for Australian firms exporting to China is that of intellectual property and the risk that exported goods in China can be easily copied, duplicated, and sold on to unknowing consumers with no protection by the Chinese authorities. In this episode, IP Australia's David Bennett puts forward a different picture of the IP environment in China, where by being actively engaged, Australian businesses can ensure their IP is protected by understanding that Chinese IP works differently. Namely, in China, your IP is protected once a trademark is registered, rather than being first to market, as is the case in Australia. David also points out how invested the Chinese authorities are in establishing a fair IP playing field that protects both local and foreign firms. David Bennett is IP Australia's first intellectual property counsellor to China, where he's working out of the Australian Embassy in Beijing since early 2017. David's role involves supporting Australian businesses to navigate Chinese IP systems. This includes providing guidance on IP registration, enforcement procedures in the court system, developing educational resources, and liaising with the Australian business community in China. He's also engaged with the Chinese government to address common issues and concerns around IP policy. I hope you enjoy our discussion. I'm here in Beijing with uh, David Bennett at the Australian Embassy. David Bennett is the in-house IP counsellor here at the Australian Embassy in Beijing. Uh, David, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Jane. Um, so, David, would you mind beginning by outlining who IP Australia is and what your role is here in China? Sure. So, IP Australia administers the intellectual property rights systems in Australia. So, patents, trademarks, designs and plant breeders' rights. My role here in China is part of IP Australia's uh, more business-facing um, business assistance work. So, so we realised there was a knowledge gap. Uh, Australian companies didn't know how they should best protect their IP in China and we didn't have a specialist here in China to help them. So my role was established, I came over at the end of last year, 2016, so I've been on the ground here about 10 months now at the Embassy. Mm. A lot of my work is business facing, so giving guidance and information to Australian businesses on how they best protect their IP in China. Mm. Another major part of my work is the government work, working on IP policy matters where there's systemic issues and these two assets, these, these two facets really um, complement each other. The policy informs the practice, the guidance, and that informs back to the policy. Okay. Um, and have Australian companies been keeping you busy since your time over here? Yes, yep. I've had a steady stream of direct inquiries. Um, I work closely with Austrade as well. It's a really good symbiotic relationship I have with them. And then there's so many IP policy developments happening every other week in China. I'm kept very busy. Mm, okay, good to hear. So for many Australian businesses, IP protection is non-existent in China and the proliferation of fakes and knockoffs make the market too risky for a company to engage in. What's your take on that impression? So I found that one of the key parts of my role here in China has been updating people's impressions on what IP protection here is actually like. Mm. I think a lot of people in Australia have 
an image of IP in China which is now quite far out of date. We have China focusing on becoming an innovation-driven economy. Um, they're filing the largest number of patents in the world. And last year, two Chinese companies, Huawei and, and Lenovo, mm. uh, ZTE rather, overtook Qualcomm as the world's biggest patent filers. Mm. So IP protection is key to China's economic future. China recognises this. The IP protection has been getting stronger and stronger. So as a foreign company, you can register your IP, you can take infringers to court, and you can get fair decisions in court. Mm. So I think it's really important that Australian companies are aware of this. It's not the wild, wild west. Does China present a bigger IP risk than other markets, and especially other markets in this area? So every market is unique and it has its own unique IP systems. The main trap with the China market is around trademarks. Okay. Now, unlike Australia, China has a first-to-file trademark system. So what this means is that whoever files the application for a trademark first will then be the legal owner of that trademark. And it doesn't matter who first developed or, f or who is using or first used the mark. It's whoever files for it first. So this has unfortunately led to a bit of a black industry of bad faith trademark filings okay. where people file opportunistically recognising that okay this company might want to come to the Chinese market and then they'll need their trademark back and can sell it back for a profit. Right. So that's affected companies as big as Apple, as big as Tesla who spent tens of millions of dollars recovering that mark. Right. So, this can affect companies as big as those multinational corporations. It can affect Australian small businesses as well. I've seen that. And the only way to avoid it is to file for your trademark in China as early as possible. Okay. So well before coming to market, before you even publicize your brand, before you exhibit anything at a trade show or going to any sort of business conversations, the first thing you should be doing is registering your trademark. Is, is bad faith filing something else the Chinese government's looking to address? Do they know particular companies that have a series of filings for marks that are used for nefarious purposes? Is the Chinese government trying to address it as well? Yeah, so in 2014 they made amendments to the trademark law to try and better combat this mm. in terms of being able to look at whether the mark was applied for in good faith. That's made some progress. Um, the recent development a month or two ago is that they're working on establishing a blacklist so they can look at these serial mm. filers and block them off. It's, um, it's a tough issue. They're doing what they can to fight it and they recognise the issue, but it's a, it's a tough one. What else do Australians need to know about how IP works over here in China? So the thing about IP is that it's territorial, it's a territorial right. So IP registered in Australia is only used to enforce in Australia. Mm. If, you want to reg if you want to enforce your IP in China, you have to register here in China. Okay. Then the once you've registered your IP, you've got something to work with, you've got an enforceable right. But the next step is actively engaging. If you see infringement, it's, it's not a passive process. You have to actively engage with the Chinese authorities to fight it. Mm. And if you do actively engage, you'll find willing partners in Chinese law enforcement and others. But that, that's the next step. You need to actively engage 
with the system. Mm. Okay, so if, if we could just go back one step, would you mind outlining the steps a company needs to follow in order to file its IP in, under the Chinese system? Sure, so most Australian companies will have a brand which they should protect with a trademark. Other companies will have patents, yep. designs to protect the visual appearance of a product. The, the easiest way to protect your IP in China is to go to an Australian patent or trademarks attorney mm. who can work with Chinese associates to register your IP in China. Okay. For companies who are on a very tight budget, they may be able to get some savings by going directly to a Chinese attorney, but then they won't get the value add that an Australian attorney can provide. So it really just depends on what budget a company has to work with there. Okay, but the, but the end result is the same. If a company goes through a Chinese attorney or an Australian attorney, the result is the same filing the mark. Yeah, they can help you register your IP in China. In Australia, we've made it quite easy to self-file trademarks, okay. but that's not a good idea in the Chinese system. You really you need an attorney to work with to help you get a good outcome. There. Okay. Um, so once a company's registered its IP, um, does China have the legal framework to uphold that registration to prohibit fakes from being entered in the market? And if so, do we have any examples of this? So when it comes to IP enforcement, China actually has a lot more enforcement options available for rights holders. Like in Australia, you can take an infringer to court and go through the civil enforcement system. Unlike Australia, there's also administrative enforcement where local authorities, local law enforcement authorities, can go and take action on behalf of the IP rights holders. Mm. So that will mean raiding an infringing factory, raiding a distributor with infringing products, seizing the product, issuing fines, things like that. Uh, if it passes a criminal threshold, they can be arrested, jailed, um, other things like that. Mm. So Chinese customs also have a lot of powers that, that are quite unique. They can seize things that are not just entering China, but seize infringing goods leaving China's borders. Okay. So this is incredibly powerful. If there's infringing product being made in China and shipped out around the world, yeah. and you work with Chinese customs to stop those shipments getting out, by controlling Chinese borders, you can stop infringing product from reaching Europe or the US or Africa, essentially mm. worldwide. That's another powerful option available to companies. So surely IP is also a problem for Chinese companies within China. Um, are foreign companies treated differently in the court system under intellectual property? So that's a question I get a lot, whether you can get, uh, get a fair hearing as a foreign company in China. Yeah. There's actually some statistics out about this, about the win rates of foreign companies in courts in IP matters. And you look at them, the win rates are essentially the same for foreign companies and Chinese companies. Right. You really can't distinguish. In some circumstances, the foreign companies actually have higher win rate. Mm. Um, so yes, I'd be very positive about that. You can get yeah. fair. And so I'd say that's, that's probably not the impression a lot of Australian businesses have about doing IP in China. Like I'm sure you must have a lot of convincing to make of people with that statistic, but it, it, it does sound like the system is quite robust here. And it's just a lack of awareness for Australian companies knowing that you are protected should you 
follow that premise of being the first to fire and just understanding that the system is different. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the system's not perfect and there are cases where things don't go quite as they should, but on the whole, you're going to have a fairly good uh, chance in forcing IP in China. So once a company's filed its IP and entered the market, how can the firm best monitor whether its IP is being infringed upon or not once it has entered the market? How can a company, how can a company keep track of its product in the market? So it's quite dependent on the resources a company has available. Okay. If a company is selling a physical product, for example, on an e-commerce platform, at minimum they should be monitoring the e-commerce platform and looking for infringing products. Mm -hmm. The e-commerce platforms like Alibaba, um, through Tmall, Taobao, and its other sub-platforms, and other major ones like JD.com, they set up IP enforcement centers online. So okay. you, you provide evidence of your IP right, and then you can go through, you can flag infringing sellers on there, mm. and the platform will take them down. That requires you actively engaging, getting onto the platform, registering, looking at potentially infringing listings. Um, there are firms that do online monitoring for you, you pay, it's a service they provide, you pay them, they go through, they're, they're experts at this, okay. uh, if you have the resources. But then, ultimately, you're, you might be playing a bit of a game of whack-a-mole if you're just looking at online. Okay. If you're finding you're having a problem with counterfeit goods, you need to get to the source offline. Mm, okay. There are offline investigators who specialise in IP investigations, and both the online and offline services can be engaged either directly or through a law firm. Mm, okay. Should a company feel its IP is being infringed upon, what's the process for resolving the issue in the Chinese court system? If possible, should the company hire a Chinese firm to represent it? So ultimately, an Australian company is going to need uh, legal representation in China. The choice they will have to make is whether they go directly to a Chinese firm or whether they go through an Australian firm and some of their known trusted associates they have good relationships with. Okay, yeah. Are there experiences of Australian companies using Chinese firms successfully over here? Yes, I've seen many. I mean, there are many excellent Chinese law firms. Yep. Um, there are also many not-so-good ones. So. Okay. I would caution people against just finding a firm on the internet and, and going with them. Mm. Um, it's very important that you select a really quality firm because that makes a huge difference in the win rates. Mm. Okay, great. So at, at, a, at a recent roundtable on non-tariff barriers to trade held by the ACBC in Hong Kong, it was raised that uh, a participant raised their shock at going to a factory in China that was dedicated solely to reverse engineering products for duplication. Is this something that Chinese government takes seriously and is something being done in the policy realm by the Chinese side to help eliminate the risk of reverse engineering in market over here? So I'd like to draw that back to one of my previous points about registering your IP in China. Yeah. So the fact is it's actually perfectly legal to reverse engineer a product, to copy a product, to make your own version of it. It's only illegal if you're infringing an IP right. Mm. 
Okay. So if a company has a patented product or design, um, if they have that registered in China, then they have the tools they need to take legal action. Okay. And like I said before, you need to actively engage with the system. So if you're aware of infringement and you can identify it and go to take this evidence and information to the local authorities, you'll find willing partners there to work with you to combat it. I mean, the local law enforcement authorities, they have metrics to make, they have numbers they have to make about the cases solved and the number of foreign businesses they help in particular, mm. that's a specific metric. Yeah. So work with them and you're going to get good results. Is there a particular sector or industry that's more prone to IP infringement than others? Anything where it's easy to make a copy of a consumer good okay. or easy to, easy to fake the origin of it by sticking a label or sticking just merely a fake trademark on. Mm. They're the ones that tend to be affected by counterfeit products more than others. So, so we do also see that obviously uh, technology goods, mechanical goods, but also um, organic products can mm. be infringed upon. Yeah, so a product that's labelled as being of Australian origin would generally sell for more than the local product, be it um, fruit or vegetable or meat or something here. So, so false labelling is, is an issue. And so what about scanning labels with QR codes? Is there room in the digital economy to Australian companies can make themselves more protected with their IP when, when it comes to labelling? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. There's, um, there's a lot of things companies can do to track their product in the supply line and check for infringements. So QR codes are one way you can use to verify the authenticity of a product. There's also invisible labels. Um, there are companies that specialise in this. So if it's a high value product per unit, then it could be worth investing in these sorts of tracking technologies. So I, I know that a lot of Chinese consumers like to know the provenance of products, especially if you're purchasing premium products from Australia. Um, is there any risk of, of these codes being infringed upon and copied? With all these things, with all the protection measures, it becomes a bit of an arms race. People mm -hmm. get more sophisticated about breaking them and then the protection gets more sophisticated and it goes on and on. So yeah. I don't think any technology is fail-safe, but it's about keeping one step ahead. Sure, okay. Um, so the China-Australia Free Trade Agreement, CHAFTA, um, provides provision for a bilateral committee between Australia and China dedicated to intellectual property, um, among many other topics. What are the goals of this committee and have, have we seen any gains thus far from it? So the IP committee established under CHAFTA gives us a mechanism to engage with the Chinese on big systemic or difficult IP issues. Yep. We haven't convened the committee yet because the committee is just one potential way for us to engage with the Chinese on IP matters. We have a lot of other forums we can speak about these issues mm -hmm. and speak with them directly, be it the patent office, the trademark office, customs, law enforcement. Yep. But having this committee established under chapter 
is very useful that we have it there to draw on when the need arises. So we're one of the very few Western countries that have a free trade agreement with China. Having this committee established under it is a great boon for us. Mm, okay. So David, what about contracts? Do Australian companies need to know anything different about contracts with Chinese firms? So the Chinese legal system is obviously very different to Australia. So it's very important that any company entering into contracts here has them set up by a Chinese lawyer who knows the Chinese legal system in and out. Okay. You're probably not going to find that expertise in Australia. Mm. So you can't, because of the unique aspects of Chinese law, you can't just adapt an Australian contract template or something is set up for China. It needs to be specifically designed for China. Okay. There's particularly issues around the enforceability of a contract in China. Yeah. Essentially, China doesn't recognise foreign court judgments. And that's no surprise. That's, that's no secret. That includes Australia. So if a contract is going to be enforceable here in China, in a Chinese court, the dispute resolution needs to be in a Chinese court mm. or via arbitration or something that can be enforced here. I've seen some sad cases where a company has had a contract that specifies its, um, its dispute resolution exclusively in the court of New South Wales and that essentially means that in China it's not going to be worth the paper it's printed on. Oh, right. A Chinese court's going to look at that and say this has nothing to do with us. Yeah. So in that now, a lot of companies are actually reluctant to, to put dispute resolution in a Chinese court, but it actually can be a much more efficient way of structuring the contract. Mm. So essentially, companies need to make sure they go to a Chinese lawyer and have a contract designed for China, which is enforceable in okay. China. How can businesses reach you and learn more about IP, IP protection in China? We have a suite of China IP information available on IP Australia's website, yep. which is slash china And through that as well, you can get in touch with me directly. Once you've read the China IP guide and understood the essential information, I'm happy for businesses to get in touch with me directly, talk about the specifics of whatever they're looking at. We also have a new guide on protecting your IP in China coming out soon. So that contains all the essential messages I want Australian businesses to get and you can find my contact details in there as well to get in touch directly to ask about the specific issues you're facing. Mm. Okay, great. Well, David, thanks a lot for your time today. It's really useful to understand what's really happening here in market regarding IP in China and keep up the good work. It's a very useful service for Australian businesses over here. Alright, thanks James. My thanks to David and the Australian Embassy in Beijing for having me. I'd also like to once again thank Austrade for their continued support of this podcast. As David mentioned, IP Australia has recently released a user-friendly guide on IP protection in China that's available at ipaustralia.gov.au forward slash China, where you can also reach David himself via the Get In Touch tab or find his email in the report. You can also find a copy of the Protecting Your IP Guide under this episode's show notes at the ACBC website, which is www.acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts. 
Here you can also listen to previous episodes, but to make your life easier, please subscribe on the iTunes store on your phone or computer to receive a free episode each fortnight. One of the best ways people hear about podcasts is through word of mouth. So if you have a friend, colleague or client who is interested in learning more about doing business in China and could benefit from one of our episodes, please make sure to pass it on to them. Until next time, 再见。